from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for fans of the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm Sean Kelly. Producer Dan is alongside today, and we're set to go. Bring you a very full show today. Very good guest today, too. Uh, the Saints kind of go dark here. Uh, it is the bio week, so we're kind of heavy on uh, Pelicans basketball and uh, college athletics today. And with that, uh, we'll welcome in the athletic director at Tulane University for a very extensive visit today. Rick Dixon is our guest later on here in this uh, podcast. We'll also hear from Rick Cleveland, legendary sports writer from the state of Mississippi. We're going to talk to him about the LSU Ole Miss game coming up this weekend. We'll also ask uh, Mr. Cleveland about his thoughts on Johnny Manziel, he saw Johnny football, as they call him, this past weekend. And then we get a real special visit with Pelicans forward Anthony Davis today. We're going to talk about his return to Kentucky this weekend. The Pelicans will play a preseason game at Rupp Arena on the campus of the University of Kentucky. That'll be a special visit for, of course, Anthony Davis, his teammate Darius Miller, and his opponent this weekend, John Wall of the Washington Wizards. So we have a lot to get to. The only other item I want to pass along is that the good news on the the other piece of good news on the Pelicans front yesterday, Eric Gordon was a full go at practice for the first time this training camp. And uh, I don't know if it's going to happen Thursday, but I would imagine probably by the end of the week, Gordon will see some preseason uh, game action as well. As a matter of fact, Eric himself is pretty much looking forward to playing some preseason games here starting perhaps this week. Well, I definitely want to play some games for the pre- uh, regular season, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, the main things for me is just keep on practicing and uh, look forward to these games. But I, I do look forward to uh, playing preseason games. So that was the good news from the practice floor yesterday. Uh, with that all being said, uh, let's keep this quick and get right to a very quick break. I think you'll notice that we've uh, taken care of you as the listener and made those more efficient. And we'll get into our heavy guest list right after these messages. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans as we tip off the 2013-14 season with a lineup headlined by All-Star Drew Holiday, former Rookie of the Year Tyreek Evans, and Anthony Davis. With the release of the five-game flex plan, there truly is a ticket plan for every fan. Packages start as low as $45 and feature the best seat locations to see All-Star opponents, including the world champion Miami Heat. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOO to get your seats today. Bud Light presents NFL Fan Dilemmas. Should I put these Bud Lights on your tab? Just supposed to get this round. Whoa, interception! But on my rounds, we play better. It's good luck when I buy Jeff's beers. But I don't want to buy Jeff's beers. He wouldn't even give me gum the other day. What a shocking turn of events. Absolutely everything going right. Yep, my tab. It's only weird if it doesn't work. Bud Light. For the NFL fans who do whatever it takes. Here we go. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Bud Light Beer in St. Louis, Missouri. 
Well, we are pleased to welcome for the first time to the Black and Blue Report, Rick Cleveland, who is a veteran and well-decorated sports writer in Mississippi. In fact, I think, Rick, you're also, aren't you the executive director of the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame and Museum now as well? I am. I, I took that job. Uh, it's been 18 months ago now. It's been quite a challenge, but I'm enjoying it. I would think that for a, for a gentleman like yourself who has covered so many of these folks over the years, to now be the curator of their legacies and, and how you saw their performances, that has to be a real treat. It, it, it really is, Sean. I, I mean, I have... Uh, you know, but the first week that I had the job, I wrote a letter to the hundred, a personal letter to each of the 153 living members of the Hall of Fame. And what I learned is that I know them. I know them all. I covered them. I know their families. Uh, so it is special, and it's it's fun to. We're having an event here uh, Thursday night where we're having the 1959 Ole Miss team. Uh, we're having a tribute to them, and that's the, you know that's the famous team that. Lost to uh, Billy. The only game they lost was on Billy Cannon's 89-yard punt return. Then they returned the favor, 21 to nothing in the Sugar Bowl. And we've got uh, 24 of those guys coming back for a kind of a reunion and celebration here uh, Thursday night. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a really good time. Rick Cleveland with us here on the uh, Black and Blue Report. Uh, Rick, I want to talk to you about uh, the Ole Miss Rebels, the current edition. Uh, of course, it's LSU and Ole Miss this weekend. Always fun. I'm I'm really intrigued by the Rebels. Um, Rick, what's your take? What should I know about Ole Miss going into this weekend? Well, the thing you really need to know about them right now is how banged up they are on defense. They're they're really, uh, you know, they weren't real deep to begin with, Sean, and they have lost some players in the last. Uh, last two games that uh they're really going to be playing shorthanded against LSU and I you know I just don't I don't really I don't see how they can stop LSU. Well the question might be can LSU stop Ole Miss? This is an offense that well, has that, no problem. That is the 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 Ole Miss uh they've got a great receiving core. They've got some really good young running backs and uh and they've you, they play two quarterbacks, and you really can't tell a whole lot of difference between between the two. Um, uh, Bo Wallace and Barry Brunetti, and uh, in fact, I thought Brunetti had a little more success against Texas A&M than Bo did. So they do have they have a lot of weapons on offense, uh, but right now it's going to be it's going to be really hard for them to uh, to to stop LSU. I keep hearing this argument, Rick, over the years about rivalries. And um, a lot of folks say, and I think this is a modern feeling, that rivalries are only good when both teams are extremely competitive or, or fighting for something more than just a win that week. But yet, how do you ignore the history of a rivalry like LSU and Ole Miss? Well, you, you don't. And, uh, I mean, I think, I mean, I've been down to Tiger Stadium several times uh, in the last, 25 years when Ole Miss wasn't supposed to be able to play with LSU and they had that celebration down there in the southeast corner of the Tiger Stadium. I mean, I've, I've watched it three or four times. It, it's still a real special rivalry and and, uh, and Ole Miss is, you know, they've gotten their share. Rick Cleveland with us here on the Black and Blue, Blue, Black and Blue Report. I can't get the words out of my mouth here on this, uh, on this Tuesday, Rick. You got to see Texas A&M last week. What was your uh, what was your uh, takeaway from Johnny Manziel? Well, 
you know, I voted for him for the Heisman Trophy last year, and um, I didn't think I'd ever see him do anything better than what he did at Tuscaloosa uh, in the fourth quarter last year. But what he did Saturday night at Ole Miss was just—he uh, showed me another side. I mean, I didn't—I didn't have any idea he's as tough as he is. You know, he went out with a knee injury there in the second quarter, put that brace on, came back in. He wasn't quite as quick or quite as nimble as he normally is, but he just kept making plays. And then in the fourth quarter, uh, he scrambles for that key first down and runs over a 225-pound linebacker and knocks him out of the game. Uh, I just... You know, he doesn't look like he's big enough to do that, but he just keeps doing things you don't think he should be able to do. Rick, um, I know that you're a, an avid Saints fan, but I also know that you're an extremely busy gentleman. Um, have you been able to follow the 5-1 and one start by your New Orleans Saints? I have. I, uh, I, uh, I've watched every game, uh, and frankly, I think they should be 6-0. and oh. <laughs> Uh, but it was, uh, you know, what a, it was a great game Sunday, marred only, I thought, by some really uh, subpar officiating. And uh, uh, I say that, I mean, I, as you say, I, I mean, I am a Saints fan. I grew up going to, to Saints games with my daddy as a young boy. But uh, uh, I try to, you know, put on my my journalist glasses when I'm watching the Saints and uh, and I try to you know to to call it like I see it but I've I've never seen that many calls go one way in an NFL game I can't remember the last time I saw something like that yeah Rick I wish I could comment myself but you know where I stand on this issue (laughs) well I I understand I understand your situation but the the call against Malcolm Jenkins and the uh the uh call where they called illegal procedure on the Saints after the Patriots jumped into the neutral zone and and then the last touchdown when Brady threw it and there was I saw a whole I saw at least one blatant hole but after watching the replay I think there was more than one and it's just uh it's just a shame it really is uh Rick Cleveland with us here legendary sports writer from the state of Mississippi Rick um do you still get your eyes open a little bit are there still things that thrill you or surprise you or or are you uh, are you in the boat of I've seen it all? I mean, at this point in your career. No, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, watching watching Manziel the other night, uh, seeing what he did. I mean, that's you. Uh, you can't ever take anything like that for granted. I mean, that's he's some of the plays he made under the situation he was under uh, was just amazing and. Uh, and you know the th- heck, the throw that Brady made the other day. There may have been holding out there on the left side, but what a perfect throw in a clutch situation. I, no, I'm 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 still uh, amazed by it and dazzled by it and enjoy watching it. it. Makes you come back to the press box again, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, you know the one press box I can't say I miss though is that one up there in the rafters at the Superdome. Uh, I, I, the last couple years that I was coming down there every Sunday, I would I, I, I finally learned to bring my overcoat 
uh, I don't know if you sit up there, but it it's pretty it's pretty chilly up there. Uh, you're right. It's I, a I, long, long way from the field. I never thought I'd have to dress for the weather inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Right, that, that right. Is the case, you do, yes. you do, you really do have yep. to dress for the weather. Either that, or you just have to uh, pour coffee on your hands so you can type. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, all right, fair yeah. enough. Rick, it's been a treat to have you today. I really, I really hope you enjoy this next edition here of LSU Ole Miss this weekend. Well, I think it's you know I I, I think there's going to be lots of points and there's always lots of excitement when they play. I just I really just cannot see how Ole Miss can can keep LSU's offense off the field, and that's I think that's going to be what decides the game. We'll see how it turns out. Rick Cleveland with us, veteran sports writer, legendary sports writer, and executive director of the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. Thank you so much, Rick. We'll be with you soon again, I hope. You bet. Rick Cleveland with us, and we're back with more on the Black and Blue Report after this quick timeout. What makes Auctioner Primary Care such a great choice? Is it because we have 38 health centers throughout the region, some with evening and weekend hours available? Or because we accept close to 50 different insurance plans? Could it be because we offer My Auctioner? which gives you and your family secure online access to your health records, test results, prescription renewals, even emails with your doctor, or that you'll be connected to seven hospitals with 2,500 affiliated physicians who can handle everything from the common to the complex, so you'll never have to wonder if you made the right choice. Actually, what you may like the most is, yes, we have a location near you, expertise and convenience great reasons to choose an auctioner primary care physician to find one near you visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER that's o-c-h-s-n-e-r auctioner healthcare with peace of mind punt pass kick and dunk Plow to the rim alley-oop dunk anthony davis this is the Black and Blue Report. Well, the Pelicans go back on the road this week. Two more non-NBA cities, Tulsa and then Lexington, Kentucky. And Anthony Davis goes back to campus later on this week. AD, I know that you know there's a game still to be played at Tulsa, but just the simple fact of going back to Lexington, have you, have you given it much thought? Has it been in your brain since you found that out? Uh... Not necessarily in my brain, but <laughs> families and friends. You know, everybody says, you know, I can't wait till you get here. Can I get a ticket? You know, what you doing when you get here? You're going to Midnight Madness. So, um, so I'm excited, though. You know, excited to go back. Um, going to be fun. You know, play back in Rupp Arena uh, in a real game situation. So I uh, can't wait to get down there. But like you said, we got a, another game in front of it before that, you know, that we have to worry about. Did you have some say in it, or did they surprise you with the news that we were going to get the play in your old uh, yeah, in your old place? Uh, it was definitely a surprise. I had no idea. You know, I thought it was a joke at first. I started doing like uh, media and you know promotional things for it and everything like that. You know, um, but I didn't know anything about it. When you, when you when you look back, and and let's be honest, it wasn't a long time you were there, but it sure was an impactful time. Do, do you feel? A, a real strong attraction to that place, even though it was a short time. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, especially since we won. You know, uh, I have a always have a piece of me there. You know, um, and that's all the guys who went there. You know, uh, all the back when Darius was a freshman, or John, or Demarcus, you know, whoever. Um, we always have a you know a piece of us there, and you know, it was fun. You know, we all didn't stay long. 
you know, but at the same time, you know, we made it fun where I last, you know, um, go in and do what we had to do. And it was just unfortunate that we all had to leave. You know, um, I'm pretty sure if all of us could stay, you know, we would, you know. Um, but, you know, we move on and, you know, new guys keep coming in and try to do the same thing. It's been about two years now. I remember my first week or two on a college campus and I was intimidated but yet thrilled at the same time. What was it like for you? Um, I was intimidated. You know, I didn't know what to expect, uh, especially going in um, with a whole bunch of guys who can play. You know, uh, then going there, hearing things about Coach Cal, how he's, you know, tough on guys and everything like that. But, you know, I took the challenge. You know, I decided I wanted to become a better player, and um, he definitely helped me with that. You know, so um, I recommend him to any guy who wants to get better, um, whether it's one year, two, three, or four. You know, uh, he's definitely going to get you better on um, the time you're there. Um, but as the season, you know, prolonged and, you know, uh, guys gotten better, you know, it was it was easier for us. You know, we stepped our games up, um, seen the floor a lot differently, and just had fun with it. All right, Anthony, this will be my first trip to Lexington, Kentucky. Um, where did you hang out on campus and in town, and, and where should you send me here at our short visit? Yeah, honestly, man, I stayed in the gym. All of us did. I mean, it was across the street, and... Some nights we were just tired and didn't want to do anything. It's Lexington, Kentucky. There's nothing. It's not like it's a big city. You know, <laughs> big city, Louisville, the hour away. You know, we couldn't really drive there. Nobody really had cars. So, really stayed in the gym or, you know what I'm saying, we always just hang out in each other's room. You know, um, well, there's a couple little nice food spots down there. Uh, Old Charlie's, you know, uh, Jake's, Malone's. Um, you know, just, uh, as far as, you know, restaurants go. You know, there's a lot of little fast food places, too, that are very good. Um, one of my favorites was always an uh, Italian place, you know, so uh, can't wait to have that. But it's, it's exciting. Um, the basketball atmosphere is very exciting. It's pretty cool that we're going to play there on Saturday. And on Friday, as I understand it, is Big Blue Madness. You touched upon it. Should I go? Yeah, most definitely. Um, great th- one of the great things about Kentucky is guys camping out right now or was last week, you know, in the beginning of this week, you know, just for tickets. You know, might not might not be able to get tickets. You know, um, that's what they do. And I'm pretty sure it's cold in Kentucky right now. Um, so that's what, that's what Kentucky fans are all about, Kentucky basketball is all about. And um, they're going to be there, uh, 24,000 strong in Midnight Madness. And then 20, I'm guaranteed 24,000 for our game, you know. So um, that's what they do. We had a charity game, you know, um, and there's 24,000 there, you know. So – um, and everybody didn't play, you know, so they just come out. They love Kentucky basketball, the guys return, so I'm excited to go. All right, so if 24,000 are there, I don't, I, it's, I know it's preseason, but do you want to kind of stick at the John Wall and the Wizards a little bit on Saturday in front of your old crowd? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, especially um, since they quote unquote beat us, you know, in the charity game, which no, everybody wasn't playing, so I don't think it counted, you know. Um, but I definitely want to, and it's just for our team, for our team to get better. You know, we of course we want to win. You know, but you know, unfortunately, one team has to lose and one team has to win. So um, if we lose, we just got to make sure that we go out there and play hard, and um, hopefully we can come up with a win. Very cool. I'm excited for you. I'm glad you came by to talk about it. Thank you. Anthony Davis here with us on the Black and Blue Report. And, again, that's the big game on Saturday night. It wraps up the two-game road trip for the Pelicans this week. And, of course, we'll continue to watch Anthony and his teammates get ready for the regular season. We're back after this. 
The Pelicans are your NBA team, and Beau Rivage Resort and Casino is your M-Life Resort right here on the Gulf Coast. Featuring 1,740 luxuriously appointed rooms, exquisite award-winning dining choices, a championship-caliber golf course, and all the amenities you've come to expect from MGM Resorts International, Beau Rivage is the only true resort experience you'll find in the South. You belong at the Beau. Beau Rivage Resort and Casino is proud to be a sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. This is Todd Graves, founder of Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. Sure, other fans are hungry for a win. But here in New Orleans, we make sure that you're well-fed, too. With tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. Loving the Saints is like the freshness of Cane's. All day, no quit. The Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. The official chicken of your New Orleans Saints. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. We've talked about the old LSU uh, Ole Miss game coming up this weekend, Anthony Davis, and now we're going to talk some Tulane Green Wave athletics, and we're very honored to have the longtime athletic director. Rick, I don't mean to imply that you're old, but you've been there a while. Rick Dixon, the athletic director at Tulane University, joins us here on this Tuesday. Good morning, Sean. It's great to be with you. It is like old times, and as far as getting old, it's, uh, it's been 13 years here at Tulane and 26 for me overall. The great thing is, as you know, I started when I was 19. So, yes, uh, not many it, people know that. That's right. No, it's uh, it's been a uh, remarkable tenure and run, and certainly as things are going as they are at Tulane, just the kind of to see us into the, whereas some people think this is the early stage of our rebuilding, and in my eyes, it's kind of the final stage of everything that has to be done in order to rebuild, and and so it's it's great to be into that phase of it. Rick, you've been through so much as the athletic director there, whether it be the storm or the um, the proposed change at one time to change the classification or at least which division that Tulane would compete. But it seems it seems to me here in 2013, I can't remember Tulane, at least in my years in New Orleans, ever being on as solid footing as they are right now as an entire athletic department. Am I seeing that wrong or is that right on the money? Well, you know, Tulane, uh, Sean's had a remarkable history and, and and first off is, is if you look at how historic it is. I mean, it's competed as an athletic program for over 130 years. There's not many out there with that kind of a deep history. And certainly to be a charter member of the SEC as it was, you know, in the, in the first 60 years of the conference and then the, 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 the kind of journey that it's traveled since. I would tell you I, I would agree, I think, in, in this sense that, you know, we, we have a – clear sense of direction in terms of where where we are and where our future is and I think a greater consensus particularly on our campus as to the role and importance of intercollegiate athletics and at the highest level and and we've had to go through a lot as you mentioned uh, in order to get there I mean there was the questioning and and uh, consideration whether we should be uh, a division three program uh, and, and that that was answered resoundingly, and probably a great wake up call for the whole Tulane community uh, for that, because it had become over time somewhat apathetic, and as I tell people, as painful as that was, and I I was right in the center of it and lived it, uh, and helped shepherd us through to the other side. But it might have been the best wake up call Tulane's had, and even if you look at Sean from what occurred from uh, 2003 to 5, we were really hitting at a good clip 
And a lot of it was overcoming that adversity. I think it shook off a lot of rust and, and awakened the Tulane community and even somewhat the New Orleans community. And our teams were, were competing at a record rate. We were winning more championships than any school in our conference. Uh, you know, we had probably, as you know, because you were part of it, the Hawaii Bowl run and probably, you know, the next year uh, going into 04 and 05, uh, probably the best collection of talent we'd had and uh, since the undefeated team uh, just didn't get to manifest itself because of what we faced in 05. But you know what? We weren't the only ones. The whole city faced it. It's just taken us, you know, this last six to seven years to rebuild. People don't realize we, you know, we, we didn't just go away for four months and then come back. When we came back, we were taken down to a shell of our former selves from 16 programs to five and from a staff of 120 to 50. And uh, so we were just surviving at that point. And then in 08, we began to rebuild. Uh, and progressively through 2012, which was the final year of bringing back our last set of teams, rebuilding our staff back to full staff. But the other thing that happened along the way is I think in large part because of how we persevered and conducted ourselves during the worst time of our history, uh, when the university couldn't be open, yet we continued to, you know, to trudge on and, and represent Tulane in New Orleans, kind of endeared ourselves to to the campus and to, uh, the community here and the university in a way that maybe it hadn't been in a long, long time. And and so now the, the support and consensus behind athletics, you know, there's no ambiguity. It's, it's clear. Uh, it's demonstrated. Uh, so now we're, Sean, kind of heading into the last, probably the last 12 to 15 months of uh, what's been over the last three and a half to four years, $175 million capital campaign. And, you know, that's resulted in, in our in our new baseball stadium and our new Hertz Center practice facility for volleyball and basketball and the renovation of the Devlin Fieldhouse, which is beautiful and historic. And then the, the centerpiece out, outside my office here, you know, the, the recreation of Tulane Stadium, now Yeoman Stadium. And, It'll be capped off with when we when we announce and, and are able to construct our athletic village, which will build out the last pieces, which are new tennis and track stadiums and things of that nature. So, so I think that that pretty much tells the story. Whereas before it was just debatable, now it's it's not debatable. It's demonstrated, and 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 those are the things that make it seem like you know what we're more stable. We've got a better foundation, and there wasn't one prior. Rick Dixon, AD of Tulane, our guest here on the Black and Blue Report. Rick, you mentioned the you know the, the capital campaign, the building project, which will really be rounded out probably what this time next year. Um, have you been able to to put into words or thoughts at the moment what the impact of having Yulman Stadium not only on campus but in that neighborhood will do? Is it too early to tell, or do you have a pretty good idea of how big this can really be? Well, certainly I've had a have envisioned uh, what it can be. And I would say, Sean, to that end, one of the reasons why we staged the, the five outdoor games, homecoming games at Tad Gormley is I, I really wanted to kind of set that precedent. But, but really the objective was let's prove to ourselves that if you put us in a more conducive and collegiate setting that, you know, we can we can really throw out, you know, a, a – 
college football event with all the pageantry and events and, and traditions normally associate with college football. And even though, you know, the, the facility itself wasn't conducive to, or a long-term answer, it gave us a temporary look at what this could be. And and all of them were successes, all five of them. And people say, well, you know, if your product isn't great or do this or that. I say, you know, our product wasn't great. We had some good teams. We had some teams that, that struggled. But yet every one of those events were were fantastic and got tremendous student participation they were all, you know, over the capacity of the event itself. Even had instances in a couple of the years, Sean, where our student body camped out overnight in order to have the best tailgating spots and those things. And, and you know, such a far cry from, from what we face week in and week out of convincing them to go off campus. And, and again, you know, I, and I say this repeatedly, look, the Dome is a world-class facility and for what it's intended to be, which is a, a professional and major event facility, it's the best of its kind. But, you know, for a for a small and private Division I university, we, it, it poses some challenges that, that historically we've not been able to overcome. And we just think, you know, a, a stadium of this scale and size of 30,000 capacity to start but but primarily located on our campus. You know, the message I gave to our students a year ago when we announced this was, I'll, I'll never ask you to get on a bus again. Just roll out of bed. So <laughs> I, I just think it's going to dramatically change the, the vibe on our campus for the entire fall. And I think it'll be a huge asset for the community and the neighborhood as we're going we're gonna to utilize it very judiciously and wisely in terms of making certain that you know any any of the events that we do are ones that are enhancements to the neighborhood and the community and uh so we look look forward to all the activities that are going to occur there and people alums and people from the neighborhood and seeing the you know row after row of bike racks full of people bringing their children and coming over or from the neighborhood and walking to the games and and doing those and, and being part of our all-day tailgating that's going on on campus and really seeing our campus for what it is. It's a it's a phenomenally beautiful, one of the most beautiful out in the country, and a lot of times people don't realize it because we're we're tucked in, you know, to the neighborhood. Well, the door will be open, and, and, and winning will help, too. So let's talk about your current football situation, Rick. Five and two after the dramatic win this past weekend, a homecoming win for the first time, I think, since, what, 06. Um what is it about your football coach, Curtis Johnson? I think we, we know him on a lot of different levels over here at the New Orleans Saints facility. Sure. I've talked to him several times, but are, are you even a, a little bit surprised that he's been able to start turning the ship back in the right direction here as quickly as he has? No, I mean, it, I, I'm not in this regard, uh, Sean. I mean, here's one of the things that, that kind of stood out for me with going through you know, the whole search process, which was – elongated and stretched out more than most because we made a in-season change. And so for a good two months plus, um, probably closer to 10 or 11 weeks, you know, Curtis, in fact, was one of the very first that I did talk to uh, just because of the convenience and the relationship I've had with Mickey for 20 years and was able to go out and have that conversation and then traveled around and, and interviewed many others came back to Curtis two different times. And first off, he's, you know, I, I had from many directions, not just the Saints, but 
for two of the guys that I'm familiar with and have a history with, and Larry Coker and Butch Davis, that uh, that Curtis coached with and for at Miami and the work that he did there, coupled obviously with the work and the history he had with Sean Payton at San Diego State, but then of course with the Saints. And as he said to me, Rick, that's the first guy that I went and hired to to my staff when he came to New Orleans, and. Um, so I think all of that lined up like we wanted it to. Uh, but here's one of the things that stood out, Sean, is he had a very clear – I went, remember going back two different times and say, Curtis, you've not been a head coach. And once I was comfortable with his, his bandwidth, which surely, surely exceeded mine in terms of football expertise and knowledge, uh, then the next thing was, okay, you haven't sat in this chair, but tell me who, who it is that you're going to build. Tell me about the team you're going to build around you in terms of his staff. And he, I look back even over this summer at some of the notes I had taken during our, our three visits together, and to a person, every single person that he wanted to recruit and attract every single coach in here, they're here. So he batted a 1,000, and I think that says, reinforced for me the level of respect that was held for him out there in the coaching fraternity. That's that's like you say with kids. You know, with kids, you get the straight, honest truth, and and you're going to know what they think. Well, it's the same way in the coaching fraternity. Is you know, certain things are said in the media and those levels, but when you get inside the coaching fraternity, you find out very quickly who are the ones that are respected and who are who aren't. And certainly, Curtis was in the former group of the ones that are respected. So, so I think that was a key for him as he surrounded himself with exactly. It's obvious. It was obvious that that. This kind of opportunity is something that Curtis has envisioned for himself for a long time. He, he's worked about it just like he does, very diligently, not without a lot of fanfare, and uh, you know, just just f- builds a plan and follows it. And then the other thing I'd say is look at what he dealt with in his first year and how he dealt with it. I, I know how what happened with Devin Walker impacted me personally. And, and to this day, it'll be something I carry forever. And yet for him to deal with that, and yet at the same time hold together uh, a staff and a program of kids that really didn't know through that entire time of, of three and a half months because there was very little information coming out of the rehab center and what was actually happening with Devin. And, and so for them to take you know, their, their friend, their teammate, their peer, their captain, uh, be jerked away suddenly and and not a not a really deep understanding of what had happened other than we'd lost him. Uh, how he dealt with that and, and shepherded that group through, even though people would say the results, well, you know what, the results were our program didn't implode. It didn't collapse. And if there was ever any reason to, uh, that would have been it. And then so you, so you know going through that, I always believe, you, you know, judge people – in the toughest times, uh, you know, it's easy when there's when the times are good and there's the bandwagon effect and the slaps on the back. But you can really tell people about people and their character in the toughest times, and and that's what last year was, and that that reassured for me is that we've got the right guy, and that if you can get through that hole like they did, then the pieces uh, of the puzzle will start coming together, and they have. Rick Dixon with us here from Tulane University. We're, it's, such a, it's such a wonderful story, and it's a part of who we are in this city. You can't help but root for the Green Wave right now. And, and 
I know that goes across a lot of different fan bases, and so this is all good news. I'm so glad you joined us today, Rick. We're short on time, but um, I do want to have you back on again soon. i got to ask you about your new athletic conference. we got a preview basketball coming up, all that good stuff. I do want to leave the interview with this. There is a website, isn't there, about the new stadium project? There certainly is, Sean. Okay. I appreciate that. And, and two things would, would direct people towards the yeomanstadium.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact is people can guarantee themselves a seat, even ones that haven't been season ticket holders or donors, anything for Tulane, is our prices are remarkably affordable. The idea is, look, we want New Orleanians, we want families in here in this event on our campus, but for $50 a seat they can guarantee themselves a $50 deposit per seat. Um, the other thing is just to encourage people, look, we're, we're, we're going to bask in this, hopefully not too much, another week or 10 days come be part of don't wait come be part of seeing this team we're at home two more times including a team we've never beat since they've come in this conference uh the university of tulsa on october 26 and we've got some great family packages uh available out there and all kinds of opportunities come see this team it's uh it's entertaining but more importantly deserving uh, of their support I totally agree. And, Rick, I'll be in Tulsa this week, so I'm going to put a little gree-gree on the uh, hurricane up there, and we'll see do. what we can do. Uh, <laughs> Please do. I will. Rick, thanks with you again, Sean. Yeah, thanks, Rick, very much. And uh, we'll hopefully have Rick on here soon enough to talk about that new athletic conference. We'll talk Ed Conroy and basketball before you know it, too. That's all coming up on future editions of the Black and Blue Report. Back to wrap up today's program after this very quick timeout. Hey there. What you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm going to hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. Well, I told you it was going to be a busy show today. Our thanks to the two Ricks, Rick Cleveland and Rick Dixon today, and to Anthony Davis as well. Stay tuned. Tomorrow, good show for you. David Wesley on a Wesley Day, a Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report tomorrow. I think that we are scheduled. Producer Dan, isn't Mickey Loomis stopping by tomorrow? I think that's what we're uh, efforting. And so it'll be good to visit with Mr. Loomis on tomorrow's show as well. Don't forget, about noon central each weekday, you can get the next and latest edition of the Black and Blue Report. Certainly appreciate your listening. Hope that you have a great rest of your Tuesday. And we'll see you right back here from Studio B tomorrow for the Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.